A rebound in U.S. bond yields slowed equity rally on Monday. Oil remained mostly unresponsive to the weekend news of different nature that could have been actually positive for the pricing, but they have not been. While the Australian dollar got sold off after a rate hike decision from the Reserve Bank of Australia. Other than that, mentions of recession and mentions of weak demand are everywhere you look right now. So you wonder, could this equity rally extend in this morose market environment? So welcome. This is Swiss Codes Daily Market Talk. So the U.S. bond yields rebounded and equity rally slowed at yesterday's trading session as there had to be a pause and a correction to last week's impressive rally in the U.S. bond markets that, of course, boosted appetite in most risky places of the global financial market. So Monday saw the U.S. 10-year yield rebound from last Friday lows and the S&P 500 consolidate gains near three-week highs and there are now divergent but very very divergent opinions regarding whether the risk rally that we saw last week is uh, on a sufficiently solid ground to extend further into a potential center rally to the end of the year or it would simply fade away. So it all depends on what matters the most for global investors. The softening Fed and the softening other major central bank expectations and the falling sovereign yields as a result of these softening expectations are obviously positive for the stock valuations. But, and there is always a but, the chatter of potentially higher for longer interest rates across the globe, and especially if the US spending doesn't slow, the growing signs of slowing global economies, and of course the rising recession odds everywhere in the world, except from America, but everywhere else in the world, don't offer a bright outlook for equities into this year end. Seasonally speaking, while well, November and December are known to be good months for this and 500 stocks because if you look at the numbers in the past the S&P 500 stocks gained on average 1.8% in November and 0.9% in December but but this year the picture is a little bit overshadowed by a lot by a lot of weak guidance and revenue warnings yes more than 80 percent of the s&p 500 companies reported their third quarter earnings so far and according to factset more than 80 percent of these companies that reported their earnings reported a positive eps surprise of course they did this is how the market works and that's a given but nearly a fifth of the s&p 500 companies issued a negative EPS guidance and the PE ratio of the S&P 500 has been falling since the last summer peak. Now also, weak demand has been the most popular mention in the earnings call in the third quarter. And according to Bloomberg, who actually enjoys collecting such data, well, the mention of weak demand in the earnings call has hit a second high on record since 2000. And despite the relentless US spend that we see in the U.S. growth figures, while the U.S. sales beats have slowed to the lowest levels in four years. Now, be careful with this mention because it does not necessarily mean that the U.S. sales slowed to the lowest levels in four years. It only means that the sales beats slowed to the lowest levels in four years. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the same exact thing, right? Demand is seen 
slowing and we shall see it even in the US spending numbers one day hopefully hopefully in the close future so that the Fed doesn't change its mind so is this good news for equities? Again, it's not the worst news. In the US, for example, the probability of recession fell to 56% according to the New York Fed data because they simply compute this recession probability regarding at the spread between the US three-month bill and the US 10-year bond yield. So that spread has been narrowing and soft landing is still on the cards for the US. So the worst news for the US wouldn't be recession, but it would be sticky inflation and that despite slowing growth and a persistently long period of high interest rates in the US. For now though, keep in mind that the Federal Reserve is seen as being done with its interest rate hikes, but the Fed President Jerome Powell is due to speak sometime this week and I'm telling you, he will probably not say that they are done hiking the interest rates, but that they are rather carefully monitoring the economic data especially growth and inflation figures and leave the door open for another rate hike in the US. Otherwise, he actually knows very well that all the past one and a half years efforts will be instantaneously thrown out of the window by investors with every single one out there rushing toward the US treasuries at the current yields, which would then pull these yields lower and that would loosen the financial conditions in the US and eventually boost growth and boost inflation. So this is obviously something that the Federal Reserve doesn't want to happen. And despite a series of no rate hike news that we received over the past few weeks from major central banks, including the Fed, the European Central Bank and the Bank of England, well, you know what? The Reserve Bank of Australia went ahead today and raised its rates by 25 basis points, as broadly expected. So this came as a sour reminder to everyone that there is no rule that says that a central bank can't hike the interest rates after posing for four meetings. But interestingly, the Aussie dollar fell after the RBA's rate hike decision along with the Australian stock markets. That wasn't really surprising, but today's rate hike revived fears of economic slowdown for investors more than appetite for higher Aussie yields apparently, while a broad-based recovery that we saw in the US dollar yesterday and the weak Chinese trade data that I will be speaking about very, very shortly in this episode certainly didn't help keeping the Aussie on a solid ground. And speaking of weakness, elsewhere than the US, of course, well, the slowing economies remain the major, major headache and a major, major talking point, especially, especially if you are in Europe or if you are in China. Now, in Europe, we know that the European growth engine, Germany, is obviously not feeling well due to this energy crisis that has been going on since the war in Ukraine started. In the UK, Bloomberg economy sees more than 50% chance of a recession this year. So this year, so that actually means that they now say that the UK is already in a recession. Uh, elsewhere, the Chinese exports, which are a good gauge of global economic health and global economic activity are down for the sixth consecutive month and Iranian oil exports fell for the second straight month to 1.43 million barrels per day as demand in Asia weakened. So that's certainly also why we haven't seen these oil prices react positively to the news of escalation tensions in the Middle East during the weekend and also the news that Saudi Arabia and Russia will 
be keeping their oil production curves in place at least until the end of this year. So oil was better bid as Europeans came in at yesterday's trading session on Monday, but sellers were still stronger yesterday and the barrel of US crude is again trading just a touch above the $80 per barrel psychological mark at the time I'm talking here this morning. Now, I revised my oil outlook from neutral to negative in the medium to short run because the persistent sell-off that we saw last week in oil markets and that despite a broad-based risk rally the unresponsiveness of the bulls to the normally price positive and ugly geopolitical news and developments and the fact that the market focus is now shifting from supply to demand side hint at a fall in crude oil below the $80 per barrel level is increasingly possible and even a verbal intervention from Saudi or OPEC may not prevent a deeper decline in oil prices in the short run. What could really be a game changer for sentiment however is the implication a potential implication of Iran in the Gaza war so yes we still have that upside risk looming in the air of geopolitical nature but but the American crude is now in the medium term bearish consolidation zone from a technical perspective and it will remain there below the 81 and a half dollar per barrel level which is the major 38.2 percent Fibonacci retracement that we saw on this summer's rally. So this is all for today. I'm Ipeko Skardeshkay and thank you for joining me and thank you for all your beautiful and interesting messages. I hope this episode of Market Talk has been helpful and it has been insightful to you. So please do not hesitate to leave your comments, your reactions and your questions below as usual. And follow us on Instagram, on X and on LinkedIn for regular market updates. And subscribe of course to our YouTube channel for daily market comments. And please do not forget to hit the like button to let us know that you enjoy these market videos. I will meet you again tomorrow and until then good day trading